Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Well, welcome to The Art of Being You. Today we're talking about how to navigate the negative influences that are out there really trying to get you to be pretty much anybody but yourself. We're talking about family, church, and cultural expectations, and what can you do about them? So let's dive in. Last time we talked a little bit about what it's like to discover who you are, and I hope you did the homework. I hope you thought about it and let your heart kind of soar a little bit dreaming about who did God make you to be. But you know, for me, the hardest part of my journey has been learning to not care about what other people think. And I don't know where that really comes from, except that I know I remember feeling this way even as a kid and having an expectation um, even on myself to become something or be something or maybe better said, be perceived in a specific way that was not always indicative of who I really was being. So when I began this journey of giving myself permission to thrive about uh, 2013 or 20, well, it's really 2012, I really had to start dealing with what I thought other people were thinking about me. And, you know, I have great friends and I had great friends at that season of my life as well. So I don't want this to sound like anybody was necessarily putting undue pressure on me, but a lot of this was just coming from within. And I think I'm not alone in this. So I thought we'd spend an episode today just talking about it. So let's dive into some of the pressures that speak um, to you or sort of, you know, come at you from family. Let's talk about family expectation first. And I should go on record first by having said that I am a family girl. Family is my favorite thing. I absolutely love my family. I'm very close to my brother and my parents and um, I really love them. So what I'm about to say is not a diss towards them whatsoever or anything that they did intentionally as much as it's just, you know, how we grow and we perceive things that maybe were never even being said. But it's a thing that your family has an idea of who you are, probably before you even have an idea of who you are right? I mean, especially if we're talking about parents. So they have raised you, they have watched you, they have watched your mannerisms and your habits. So you might, you know, come down the stairs one day and say, I'm going to be the next president of the United States, for example. And they might say, well, you know, you don't really exhibit any interest in politics. And they're not saying that to crush your dreams as much as they're just very aware of who you actually are. I remember being, I don't know, maybe 15 years old and being so convinced that I wanted to be an actress and not just an actress. I wanted to be a very famous actress. And I just had the bug, the, the fame bug. And, um, I'm so thankful I didn't grow up in a land, you know, in a world of Instagram as a teenager, because I think I would have just been a basket case mentally. But I remember sitting with my parents and saying, I think I want to be an actress. I think I want to move to LA or New York when I graduate high school and kind of do that thing. And, you know, of course, as all people who move to LA are, I was so convinced that if I did that right away, I would get cast in some amazing role and whatnot. And my parents used their wisdom to help me see that that was probably not 
what I was interested in. But I remember this conversation going like this. We were sitting at the dining room table and I was saying to my mom, I want to be an actress. And she said, okay, let's pull out the pros and cons paper and let's make a list of the pros and cons of that type of a career. And of course, immediately my teenage brain was bored and not interested in doing that. And by the end of our pros and cons, she said to me, you know, Rachel, I think you would actually do much better as a director because um, you don't really like people telling you what to do. And essentially acting is having someone else tell you how to be in every way. And I thought that was so interesting. I was really mad at her uh, at the moment for that. But I took it to the Lord and I said, God, you know, if you don't want me to be an actress, please take this desire out of my heart. And two days later, all of a sudden, I had no desire to be an actress anymore. And that was clearly the Lord. But as I've grown, I've realized that my pull towards acting was less about acting and more about storytelling. And more about having this desire to communicate. So we can take an example like that and we can say, okay, as a teenager, I could say to you, my parents don't want me to be this or they only want me to be that. But they're looking at it saying, well, I understand who you are and how you are and I'm trying to help you accordingly. Well, that gets tricky when we're talking about who you are in Christ. So if you don't have parents or family members who know Jesus or who are actively pursuing their faith, then this can become a really hot topic because their perception of what you should do with your life, your career, you know, your time, your hobbies, it may be not what you feel led by the Lord to do. So family pressure is just one of those situations that's really hard. I want to say to you, for anybody that is struggling with feeling at odds with their family, that you need to know you're in good company. And there were times in Jesus's ministry where he was at odds with his parents as well, or his mother especially. And I don't know if it was, you know, argumentatively necessarily, but I do know that he had some heated words at times. You remember when his mother and his brother are there to greet him? Um, at the house and he says, you know, who is my mother and brother? You're all my family, basically. Now, you know, if you think about that as a mother, that was probably very hurtful to Mary in that moment or could have been. And so, you know, you just need to know first and foremost that you're in good company. And also, I just want to let you know that you have been given permission by God to create a family for yourself that is in accordance to the dreams and the desires that are in your heart. And so what I mean by that is you have permission to create and and build a family that functions on the word of God, that operates, um, you know, within the realm that God has given you, meaning, you know, when the Lord puts something on your heart and you obey that, that might be how you give of your finances. That might be where you live in your neighborhood. That might be where you go to church or how you serve in your church or mission trips you take or whatnot. But you just need to know that you have permission by God to obey the word of the Lord. When you're young and you're under the authority of your parents, this gets a little bit tricky, but I would say one of the best pieces of advice I ever was given about how do you respond to your parents, um, you know, honoring their authority while at the same time honoring Jesus. And I think you just need to remember that Jesus comes first. And so when the Lord is asking you to do something and he's really putting on your heart and confirming it for you, that you need to obey that and trust him to take care of your family in that way. But I just wanted to take a second to recognize family pressure is real and it can be very difficult and it can be hard for you to break out, especially if you've got family members who are dogging on you and saying, you know, 
snarky things. So I just want to encourage you, if that's your scenario and you're struggling to be who you are in context of your family, it's time to sit down and have a loving conversation. It's time to sit down and say, or, you know, say, Hey, can we schedule a meeting where I can share some things that are going on in my life with you? And then just be honest. Listen, when you say these things, it's really hard for me. Would it be possible if you stopped saying these things or if they're jabs or, you know, jokes that you don't find funny or, you know, sitting down with your parents and saying, listen, this is the direction that God is asking me to go. And I'm not necessarily asking for your blessing, but I am asking that we can find a way to live peacefully together in the midst of this. Those type of conversations do go a long way and they're absolutely worth trying to have. But the second thing that often happens that, that really, this one is much more subtle and it's how you know, it, it weighs on your ability to be yourself in how you celebrate who you are. And it's the influence of your church. Now, before you go thinking something negative, just remember that I'm a pastor. In fact, I'm a senior pastor and I absolutely love the local church and not just my church. I love the local church at large. So what I'm about to say is not at all to diminish the role of the church in your life, but maybe to help bring some clarity to you um, in, in a wrestle that you may or may not have been feeling. So I just want to acknowledge that there is this aspect of Christian culture that celebrates what we put on display. So, you know, there's a phrase that what gets celebrated gets replicated. What that means is the things that we continue to give praise about, to call out, to give microphone time to, those are the things that people begin to want to become like. So, you know, in your church, your pastor is inadvertently hopefully being themselves. And in the process of being themselves, you might be receiving a message that that's exactly how you're supposed to be. It might not even be in their mind whatsoever, but unless we're acknowledging that that's happening, it can happen on a subconscious level, if that makes sense. So what I think happens more often than not is that your pastor or one of the people on your church staff that's amazing and gets a lot of microphone time and gets called out as, you know, sort of the great one at whatever their thing is. Maybe it's communicating or making videos or they always give the best sermons or announcements or they pray the best or whatever it may be. When we start to celebrate that, you might be receiving this inadvertent message that that's what's acceptable that those characteristics are the ones that you should be ascribing to, which is all well and good unless that's not who you are. And where that becomes hard is if your local church doesn't have a very diverse body or a very diverse type of personalities who are taking the stage um, or doesn't acknowledge that this happens, then inadvertently you might be thinking, I want to become like that leader, which is good, um, but at the expense of who you are, which is bad. So when Paul makes that bold statement where he says, come follow me as I follow Christ, what he's saying is not come follow me because I'm following Christ. He is saying, look at the pattern of how I wire my relationship with God, of how I build my relationship with God and borrow from me those patterns. In other words, never once was Paul trying to stand in the place of you and Jesus so that he would become like an intermediary. He was always trying to say, if you're struggling to figure this out, then look at how I do it and borrow that until you figure it out on your own. 
When we talk about making disciples, we have to be really careful that we're not making disciples of Rachel or of whoever, but that we're making disciples of Jesus. And so what that means is there might come a time where you borrow from me the way that I do something, but eventually you need to go straight to Jesus with that, meaning you need to let him tell you how to live and govern your life. Because if you're not doing that, then you're not actually following Jesus. You're following the gospel of your pastor. So where this gets really tricky is, let's say that your pastor is um, like a teacher. They love to study the Bible. They're all about Bible study. They love, you know, they do the yearly reading of the Bible plan and all that kind of stuff. These are all great things. So don't hear me saying they're not. But if you're not wired like that, then you might be putting on yourself this sort of subconscious shame that you don't measure up because you can't or you don't want to go through the Bible in a year or you don't want to get out the Strong's Concordance and go super deep into the scripture. But maybe your thing is worship or prayer or, you know, sitting in nature and communing with God. And 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 you need to know that how you're wired to experience God is a good thing. And it's actually how God chose to wire you. So church is one of those categories where we can be having this sort of subconscious, um, you know, subliminal messaging that I genuinely believe the pastors are not trying to give that message out. I think it just is one of the natures of how groupings of people work. So fight that. If you're perfecting the art of being you, then you have to recognize when you're feeling or receiving a message that is challenging you to be something other than who you are. For me personally, the way I look at this is I love to marvel at how God made other people. So I'm not very disciplined in that I don't like the same structure every single day. In fact, when I have the same routine every day, I feel like I'm going crazy. Um, I don't know, maybe it's my Enneagram 7-ness or maybe it's who even knows what it is about me, but that's just how I'm wired. So for me, I need to have some spontaneity in my time with Jesus. And I look at it as riding waves. This is, if you've come to my church, you've heard me say this before. To me, I look at it as what's the wave that's cresting in my life right now? So it might be worship, worship music, and it might be that I'm, you know, just constantly listening to a specific worship album and being filled with the presence of God and giving my heart to him. And then that wave will kind of crest and go back out to sea and I'll have to look and see what is the next wave. And it might be journaling. And man, when I'm journaling, I just sense the presence of God so much and it's powerful and and I love it and I can give myself to it and hearing from God and whatnot. And then that might sort of wane and my, my passion for that might subside. And so I look and say, okay, what's next? And it might be the Bible and I might just be completely engrossed in the Bible like just night and day thinking about scripture for a certain amount of time until that wave crests and so on and so forth. And so if I'm telling myself that the picture of maturity is my husband who has a very disciplined time with the Lord every day, he does the same thing like one, two, three, like clockwork. It's very logical and it brings him so much life and so much maturity. If I'm looking at that and saying, well, that's the picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus, then I'm essentially telling myself You have to become someone different so that you can be acceptable to God. When all along the Lord designed me to work in more of a flow or more of a spontaneous sort of take it as it comes and ride that wave with Jesus type thing. So that's my challenge to you is when you're talking about your church, when you're looking at your church, 
Just make sure you're giving yourself permission to be who you are and how you are with God. Now, that doesn't mean that you settle. That doesn't mean that you, you know, um, don't continue to push forward and reach out of your comfort zone and all that kind of stuff. It just means that you're okay with being who you are and you're not allowing any sense of shame or condemnation or that there's something inherently wrong with you to be there if you're not like what's being celebrated most in your local church. Okay, the third category I want to talk about and our final category for today is talking about just the culture of the world. And I think this phrase, what gets celebrated gets replicated, applies to this so well as well. Because in our world, there are things that are celebrated at times and things that aren't. You know, for a while, a little over a year ago, I think it was the dad bod, right? Where dad bod was like what you wanted. And if you had a little bit of a pudge around your belly, if you were a man, that was like celebrated as what was hot. That's like what people were going for. Or then you can look at other times where, you know, the eyebrows are super thin. And then all of a sudden, the trend of the time is really thick, bushy eyebrows. And everybody is microblading their eyebrows brows and doing all these crazy things to be seen as acceptable in the culture of the world, you know, low rise jeans to high rise jeans and everything in between. And the reason why I say this is because different times in culture, different personalities are celebrated as well. You might not have seen it like this, but at times the brash, bold personalities are really celebrated and they seem to be the ones that everybody wants to be like. And so if you have a gentler, more timid personality, then it might feel like that you have to become something different so that you can be accepted and liked. Um, You know, in our world right now, there are certain types of personalities that are celebrated and, you know, it's a good time to be a woman type thinking. Um, And so does that mean that if you're a man, something's inherently wrong with you? Of course not. Of course not. Men and women have completely different roles. We play different parts in the kingdom. We have different callings. We reflect different aspects of God. And so if a man is looking and saying, man, it's too bad that I can't be a woman, or if a woman is looking and saying, it's too bad I can't be a man because that's what's celebrated and that's what gets the open doors, then you're receiving this same sort of subliminal shame, this sort of subliminal, something is inherently wrong with you. So Going back to our title of this podcast, The Art of Being You, one of the ways you perfect that art is by recognizing what factors in your life are sort of trying to keep you from being yourself. Now, how do you address those? You don't address those by walking into the room and just flipping over the table and getting in everybody's face and telling them how much they've been hurting you. That's not really helpful. The best thing you can do is step one, go to God, take it to Jesus you know, and for me, what this looks like is, you know, Lord, I'm feeling this pressure to be this certain way. For me, sometimes the jokes that I make, I'm really nervous about what people are going to think about them. Um, And in the moment I might say them and I think they're hilarious, but you know, a day or two later, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, did I just lose standing in that person's mind because I made a joke? Now they're typically not inappropriate or off color, but I can be fairly bold or blunt um, if I'm not really paying attention to what I say. So I'm just giving you a personal example of, you know, things that I feel at times and So I'll have to take that to the Lord and say, God, how do you feel about what I've been saying? And is there anybody I need to apologize to because I was speaking too off the cuff? Or, you know, what do I need? How, what do I need? And how do I let go of this idea that people matter, that their opinions of me matter in a way that should cause me to change who I am? So people's opinions matter, but they shouldn't drive you to become something different than who you are, if that makes sense. 
you're going to know that you're with your people when they just love you for who you are, when they have grace for the off color things about you, like the boldness or the too shyness or whatever the case may be. So that's step one, go to God, talk to the Lord about it. And then also, you know, where it's applicable, let him speak and bring healing into your heart from wounds um, that may have happened by trying to become like somebody that you're not, or people trying to make you conform into that. Um, you know, and sometimes, especially like in church settings, I think just because it's a group, it probably applies to sororities and fraternities and other clubs as well, but you, there's this group mentality. And so if you don't fit, then there's this tendency to try to make you fit, you know, and there's church settings that I've been in and a few church settings where it's like, I don't necessarily fit, um, but I'm trying to fit. And then the people around me are trying to make sure that they they let me know when I'm not fitting and what I need to change. And isn't that's just hard, right? That's just really hard. So step one, go to God. Step two, give yourself grace. Give yourself grace and time to figure this out. And then step three, after you've done those two things, if there's conversations that need to be had, go have them. But just remember, you don't want to spew your wounding or your frustration onto the people around you. It's your job to be yourself. It's not other people's jobs to make you into who you are. It's your job. It's your job to be who you are. And it's shocking how difficult that really is. But yeah, that's what's on my heart for you today. I hope this is helpful to you as we're just exploring some of the pressures that come from family and church and the world or pop culture. But I just want to encourage you. You are someone who is so valuable and what you bring to the table is really great. And the people around you, they might not be able to see that. And honestly, that's okay. There are people out there who will see that, who will acknowledge that, call that out of you and want to see you thrive in who you really are. You just might need to go find those people. So that's my prayer for you. Step one, go to God. Step two, give yourself grace. Step three, have the conversations as you need to have them. And as you perfect the art of being you, just remember it's your job. Being yourself is your job, but you can do it. I know you can. So I will see you next time. Be blessed. You've been listening to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wartman. Listen, if you liked this content, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plus, share it with your friends via text or social media. If you've been thinking about somebody while you've been listening, share it with them, and we will see you next time.